Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. The justice, that's awesome. <laughs> How you guys doing this morning? Good, good. It's great to be here this morning. I love you guys and so thankful for all God's doing. Let's pray real quick. I mean, we don't have to do it real quick, but let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you for just being with us, for being so kind and so just and so so faithful to us, Father, and <clears throat> for for just your love and and the peace that you bring to us. Even in the midst of all the craziness that goes on around us, Father, we know that there's one place we can run. There's one place we can go, and that's to you. And so, Father, we thank you for that privilege and that honor and for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, I'm going to preach. I'm going to get into it because like, I've been really excited about some things God's been showing me. And um, I want to bring it, um, if I could bring it alive like the Holy Spirit tells me, then I know that um, you'd get it. And then sometimes I'm like, Holy Spirit, if, what if I'm not always getting everything you're showing me? Do you ever feel like that? Like, like the Holy Spirit's laying something out to you and you're like, oh, I get it, and then you start walking it out, and then you're like, you know, I kind of got it, but I'm getting to grow, and I'm getting to learn, and I'm getting to know more about it, and then, then you're like, whoa, what's the matter with you, dork? You know, can't you figure this out? I mean, like, am I the only one who ever talks to myself like that? No. You know, why didn't I see that, like, or, or I'll see something, and the Holy Spirit will be trying to teach me something, and he'll be going like this, 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 and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> And all of a sudden, whoa, look at that. And then I'll do it and it'll work. And I'm like, I wonder why I didn't do that like a long time ago, right? And so I think about faith and I think about where we are now and I think about all the stuff that's going on around us. And we can get so so absorbed in everything that's coming around us that we lose track of who we really are. And when you lose track of who God really is, right? And so it comes down to a thing called faith, right? What, what are we going to believe? Who are we going to believe in? And really, we get to find out in situations like that is, is do we really have faith? Do, who do we really believe? Because if we don't have a God and because if we don't, don't have, have a Savior, if we don't have our provider or our protector... Man, no wonder the world's going crazy. If you don't believe in God, where's your hope going to be on? It's going to be on yourself. It's going to be on the government. It's going to be on something else. And none of that stuff will provide or, or save us or help us. It's only through God and through his sacrifice of Jesus that any of us have hope. And that hope is big enough and great enough to bring us to and through anything we're ever going to face. But where's, what are we trusting in in these days? What are we putting our hope in? What are we putting our faith in? 
And um, there's been times in my life where, like, like I hadn't, I couldn't do anything about certain situations. So I just like sat back and like, okay, God, you got to do it. And then God would work, right? And then there's been times in my life where I could do something because the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking to me, said, hey, go try this. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. Because a lot of the times when he tells us to do something, it's really uncomfortable, right? It's like he's trying to stretch us out of this box that we put ourselves in and our thought process put ourselves in and the enemy would like to keep us in, right? And he's like, I'm going to stretch you out of that because I've got bigger and greater things. And then when we start stretching out of it, guess what? Then the enemy comes in and he starts attacking. And he's like, why is he attacking you? Because you're a threat. Like, he don't care if we stay in our own little box and do our own little thing. He's like, all right, you just stay right there. But he's always guarding and watching. Why? Because he's scared to death that you're going to break out of that. And that God's going to do something great in your life. And that you're going to realize who you are and realize that you're, you're like the elephant that has his little leg tied up all the time. Like to, that's how they train him to stay. It's like, like they put, a, put um, a chain around him and tie him up to a little stake. Man, they can't go nowhere. They can just like pick it up and take off. But they get so, it gets so into their mind and their heart that they're captive, captive in their heart and they can't go beyond that chain. When that chain's not even real. Like, like it's not even a threat, man. And I think so much of the time, there's so many things that want to chain us. There's so many things that want to affect our thought processes and affect who we are. And it has nothing to do with who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have covenants and promises. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. God didn't say, I will bless you and make your name great to Abraham and say, oh, wait a second, I forgot. There's a lot of people that don't like you. <laughs> Never mind, that won't ever work. I'm sorry, there's going to be a famine in Israel right after I send you there. And guess what? You're going to have to go to Egypt. And guess what? Your wife's beautiful. So you know what? They're going to, they're, the king's going to kill you and take her for his wife. He's like, well, I'll fix that. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? So he's like, I tell you what, Sarah, don't tell him you're my wife. Right? So the king comes and takes her. And do you know what, what God does? He's like, well, you sorry sucker. You didn't believe me. <laughs> and that's the last we heard of Abraham, right? No. Do you know what happened? All this. He already says in, in, in Genesis chapter 12, um, verse 1, he gave Abram a promise. He said, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then he says this, and I will make you into a great nation. He said, I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Do you know when this promise come into effect? It wasn't after, after Abraham died. I mean, we see the effects of the promise. It wasn't after Abraham had, had, um, had Isaac. It come into effect the moment that God said it. 
and the consequences of blessing. And you'll see right down here in, in um, right not far afterwards here in 12 verse 10, where he sa- says, now there was a time in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there and while and for a while because the famine was severe. And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Now, that's how you want your husband to talk to you. Right? When the Egyptians see you, they will say to, to well, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Now, that's not what you say to your wife. <laughs> like, he was on a roll. Any of you guys ever like that? Like, I got, I got this great idea. I'm going to get this thing, right? And, and so, so I ordered some boots for Linda the other day, right? And I ordered them online, and they're taking forever to get here, but I ordered me a pair, too. And so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and she, she, I was like... Honey, I order boots, but they're not coming. It's taking forever. And she goes, why do you order boots? You order boots without me seeing them? And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Then I showed her a picture of it. And she goes, why would you think I want those things? And so, see, I had the right intent, right? But, but I wasn't wise about how I did it, right? And so some of us do that same thing in our lives, too. But here's Abraham doing it. Hey, man, you are beautiful. Look at you. You knock out, right? And then he's like, now I want you to pretend you're my sister. (laughs) Come on, dude. Right? What a dork, right? I mean that in a loving way, right? Father Abraham, right? Anyway, so when Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham well for her sake. And Abram, well, it's Abram, not Abraham. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle and male and female donkeys, men servants and maidservants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham. What have you done to me, he said? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about, orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Now watch this. Pharaoh didn't do nothing wrong. Like, he thought this was his sister. So he goes like, hey, I'll take her for... Then when he realizes, wait a second, what's going on? Because there's a blessing here. There was a promise here that was spoken to Abraham where he said, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. What happened? He, he, was, he didn't even realize he was doing it. And God's promises are so solid that it didn't have a choice but happen. And Pharaoh's like, dude, what are you trying to do to me, man? God obviously has favor on you, and God obviously wants to take care of you, and God obviously 
is your God and he's real. Get out of here. In fact, don't just get out of here and take your wife, but take all this money and all these camels and all this other stuff. Say, man, well, you know what? God can only bless me when I do everything right. Whew. If that was the case, I'd be in trouble a long time ago. Right? Because I, pr- I probably mess up as much as anybody or more. Right? And so, so I, th- I get these great, grandy ideals, right? And, like, I'll jump out into them. And sometimes they're really great ideals. Sometimes it's not really too smart. <laughs> Right? And then I'll get into the middle of them. I'm like, I ain't letting go. Like, like I'm like, Jacob, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And then the next thing you know, I'm hanging on and I'm almost drowning. Right? We went on a boat out on Lake Washington right after we got, um, I hadn't been married very long, but it was with Linda's friend and, and um, her husband. And so we're in the boat and they got this little tube thing and a, and a rope that pulls you. So I get on the tube thing. And he makes a turn, and that tube thing goes flipping all over up in the air. And so do I, but I got the rope, right? I'm a cowboy, right? So when I grew up, I grew up with, you don't let go of the rope, right? So I'm hanging on to the rope. So this tube's flipping like this going around, and I'm flipping like this going around, and I'm like going like this, and then it straightens out. And he's going, and, and I'm going like this, and then also, because it's pulling me under, I'm going back up like this, and then, I'm like, they're going to drown me. Well, they just stopped the boat, and they're yelling out, let go of the rope, and I'm like, I can't, and they're like, let go of the rope, I can't, why can't you? I'm a cowboy. We don't let go of ropes. So they had, I made them stop that boat, and I didn't let go of that rope till I got inside. Right? So sometimes we need that, in, that tenacity, right? We need that grit where we're like, you know what, God? You've given me this promise, and it seems beyond belief. It seems like something that's not reasonable or not possible, but you gave me that promise, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you, and I'm not letting go until I see that. And you know what we're going to find out? We might take on some water. Man, we might feel like we're coming under. It might look bad for a minute, and everybody else is like, let go, let go, let go. You're going to drown, let go. But you're like, no, I'm not going to let go because God gave me this promise. And God's promises are yes and amen. And we know when we're in the middle of all this stuff, guess what? He's going to take care of us. He's so faithful. And he's so true. And he's so good. And he's so kind. And if we'll just look at him, man, he'll stop the boat. And you can pull right on. There's a word in Hebrew. It's called tikva, right? And it means hope. Now that that hope isn't just like, well, I hope something happens, right? But this hope is like, like it's like an umbilical cord, right? The, the, from the mom to the baby that breathes its life. It's like, or it's like, like a rope that you're tied to that's linking you to, to, to where you're at. So hope, 
deferred makes the heart sink, but when it comes forth, it's like a wellspring, man. You're tied. You've got a rope. You're holding on. That's what hope is. I'm hoping in you, and I'm tied on to this promise, and I'm not letting go till you bless me. Man, I may mess up. I may, I may make some mistakes, but guess what? I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until I see what you said come to pass in my life. I'm hanging on. And you know what? He who promised is faithful. I love that about Abram. Abraham now, right? He goes on and gets in a quarrel with Lot here in verse 13, the first of verse 13. And then Lot moves to Sodom, and there's more to that story coming down. And then right after he goes to Lot moves to Sodom in, in chapter 13, verse 14, it says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that I see I will give to you and your offspring forever. Okay, now. He's like, I want you to come up here and I want you to look out as far as you can see from the east and the west and the north and the south. I'm going to give that to you and your offspring for how long? Forever. That's a long time. Are we still in forever? Yeah. We're, I think we're still in that time frame, right? Okay. In all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go. Here he says again. Like two-thirds of God's name is go. Right? And if you don't, he'll add the D on it and say you're dumb. I'm just kidding. I just made that up. Actually, it probably starts with D for do it. Just do it, Nike. Right? <laughs> Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. He's like, this is yours, man. It's so expansive. He lived in tents. So did Isaac. So did Jacob. They had all these great promises. They lived in tents, right? They had so much land, so much blessing, so much prosperity. They could move anywhere they wanted on this land, and they could go. He said, as far as you can see. How far can we see? God wants to stretch our vision. He wants to stretch where we're going and what we're doing. God's always stretching me. Will you believe me? But God, you don't understand. The, the economy crashed, and, or, or, oh man, that hurt so bad, I can't get on that horse. And God's like, get on. You're behind me, Satan. No, that's not, it's me. Hello. What are you going to do? Who are you going to trust? One thing I know about this word go is it's an action word. Right? How does it? reading some of the 
stuff about the rabbis and faith is not something that we just like we we think we just grow up and have all this faith faith is something that build is something that comes to the inside of us the rabbis talk about it and 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 faith is beyond belief right so the rabbis say we're used to thinking of faith as a strategy for people who can't think for themselves the fool believes everything solomon writes the wise man understands imunah how it's called faith in hebrew however, is an innate conviction, a perception of truth that transcends, now listen to this, rather than evades reason. Listen to this one more time. However, imanah, however, is an innate conviction, a perception of truth that transcends rather than than evades reason. Quite the contrary, wisdom understands. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge can further enhance true imunah. And so we get into this place where where we're believing God and we're like, like it's beyond belief. It's beyond reason. It's because God said it doesn't, just believe, but it transcends everything around us because we're not putting our hope on what we see. We're putting our hope on what we see. Do you hear what I'm saying? But he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we do it through hearing the word and hearing the word. And as we hear the word and God speaks to us and we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and he speaks. And then all of a sudden we get this faith and he says, I want you to get up, Abram, and go to land that I haven't shown you. And he's like, sure, get up and I'll go. Why would he have so much faith? Because he had a relationship. He had a trust. And then when he got a promise, he said, your promises transcend anything I see, hear, feel, or smell. It's your promises above everything else. And so here we go over to, I'm going to read in my favorite book of the Bible. It was named after me. Anybody ever hear of the book James? Right? James 2, 14 says this. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead. See, a lot of times I read that and like I, I hated that book for a while because I thought it meant it was a religious guideline that, that I had to do it by works. right? I had to earn my salvation and earn, earn anything God. But it's not about what, what we earn. It's about that belief that God puts in where he says step out. That work is taking an action and stepping out. Right? It's not a faith by works, but it's a faith 
That works. And God says, I want you to believe it in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you're saved. Guess what? We believe, right? It comes by faith. We believe in our heart. And then, so what do we do? We confess with our mouth. And we're saved. So God's like, I, I want to do great things in your life. And I want to see, I, I see clothes on your prayers, man. Uh, like, like you, you can hate abortion and you can hate all these other things, but what are you doing about it? Right? What about all the things that go aside from that, like the moms who can't take care of their kids and we're just heartless? Well, just don't get an abortion and you're out on your own. That's not solving anything. And that's what I love about this church because this church supports the, the Crisis Pregnancy Center. You know what that's doing? That's putting your faith to action. And that's saying, we're not just going to say we're against something. We're going to say we're for something. And watch what we're going to do. Because we're going to change the world. One heart at a time. One soul at a time. That's putting faith to action. And that's why I admire you guys so much. Whew. Man. I need like three hours this morning. (laughs) But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my, by my faith by what I do. Listen, what do you really believe? What are you really putting your hope on? You believe that there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You know, the rabbis in the Talmud talk about a thief. He'll, he goes to steal, but as he's stealing, he, in his conscience, God's talking to him, but he, he knows there's a God. And as he's stealing, he's like, like crying out to God, I need your help, God help. But he's still doing it anyway, right? But it comes out to the fact, and the, the, the rabbis say that the reason he keeps stealing is because he doesn't have faith that God's going to provide for him. How many of us find ourselves in situations like that? And we're like, oh, I, well, I'm in trouble, you know, because I didn't have enough faith. And, and God's like, like, I don't want you to just act. I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit. There's a difference, right? There, there, there's foolishness and, and, um, that you can do that's kind of silly, right? Sometimes you shouldn't do certain things and you get popped in the face for doing it. It's because... But God's not mad at you, by the way. Abram messed up. Like that was not the right action. And God still blessed him and still took care of him because he's that, that good of a God, right? There's four degrees of action. Number one, we have the right action. Number two, we have the wrong action. Or number three... We have no action. But see, I don't think number three really exists. Because even if we're sitting back not doing anything, we're actively choosing to not do anything. So there's no such thing really in my book as no action. But then here's the, here's the, the thing that I don't believe that, that Abram did. And this is why I think Abram was a friend of God, because it's number four. Do you know what we can do? 
We can take massive action. What does that mean when God says, go, leave your family, leave the land you know, and I'm going to send you? Guess what? We get up and we go. We get up and we follow him and say, I, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going. I'm following you. And then we're in the land of miracles, in the land to see God do great things, even when we don't expect to see him. Amen? So he says, you foolish man, do you, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abram considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abram, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So now we'll go back to Abraham, right? And we'll go back to the hall of faith. And and like man and and I I hate when people say you got to do this to earn God's stuff and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when God puts the faith in your heart, then we step out. You don't work for faith. Faith works for you. But when you step out in the faith, then you see the fruit of what God's doing. Right? Just like Abraham. Right? He's like, get up and go. Right? Take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, and go take him up on the mountain and kill him. He didn't talk back. Do you know what the Bible says? The next morning early, he got up and saddled his donkeys and grabbed his son and said, let's go, boy, we're going up the mountain. He even made him carry the own wood. And then he says, before he goes up, he says, guess what? We will be back. You know what? Abraham believed God's promises, and he believed what God said. And he said, I know you're not a man that you should lie. You told me that I'm going to have seed, and you gave me these promises, and even if you kill him, I know you'll resurrect him. And it's the story of the, of the cross. But Abraham took massive action. And he said, when God speaks to us, let's just go. When he puts in his, he's got stuff in our hearts. And he's like, I got this for you and I got that for you. And, and it may look impossible and this or that. And I actually told someone, a banker on our car, we're trying to buy a car. I told the guy at the, at the bank, he, he's like, well, what do you want? And I told him, he goes, that's impossible. And I was like, don't tell me that's impossible. Right? So I got someone who said, all I see are solutions, not problems. And now guess what's sitting in our driveway? Right? So because it's just not about 
is about God's grace and God's faith and God's goodness, right? It says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is for what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, he still speaks. Faith speaks. Faith doesn't necessarily have to say a thing, but when, when God speaks to you and says, get up, Abraham, when Abraham's getting up and going, faith's speaking, not just to those around him and not just to Abraham, but to the entire world. It's saying, wait, here is a man that believes God. And by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice. Then Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of the offerings. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. <laughs> by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he could not experience, so he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Then it goes on and on. Chapter 11, 11 says, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the countless as the sand on the seashore. Do you have things in your life that you think are dead? You have things in your life that you think are impossible. What's God been putting in your heart? What's He put in your mind? Said, said, I got great things for you, and you're like, Wait a second, it's a coronavirus, it's COVID, it's got this or that. Or maybe you feel like you're out there and you're as good as dead. Everything's crashing around you and there's no hope. I'm telling you, there is hope, and His name's Jesus, and He loves you so much. All you got to do is say, Lord Jesus, I give my heart to you. And, and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you're saved. That's it. And he's like, now, guess what? You're, 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 all these promises are available to you. All God's promises. And he says, I'll bring you out. I'll make a way. And I'll do it just because he loves you. That thing you think's dead's not. That thing you think has no hope, it's got hope. Because we have the king of kings and all it takes is one word from him. He'll come and go, hey, and he'll breathe life. And there's nothing that anybody or anything can do. Amen? Amen. It's beyond belief. Amen? Amen? So, Father, thank you. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being here with us. And Father, just settle in our hearts, Father, that when you say something, we're just going to follow you and trust you and know that you're going to work it out for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.